Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? Welcome back, everyone, to the Raptors TOT cast brought to you by tipofthetower.com. I'm Chris McCranis, and joining me as always is Mark Ramp. We took last week off because, we'll be honest, there wasn't much Raptors news, so it was a perfect time to take a little vacay here. But we're back this week. We're going to be talking about the Rio Olympics, specifically Lowry, DeRozan, Team USA, um, little JV mix in there, too. The schedule that just got released for the season, we'll be breaking that down. And then we're going to talk about tomorrow's little theory here about why the Raptors are kind of stuck on the NBA treadmill or trying to figure out what success is. We'll get into all that stuff. But first, Damar, how you doing, man? Doing great. I feel refreshed. It's like going to the gym and then you take a week off. Come back. <laughs> Sleep come back and you just, yeah, you just pump iron. It's like I've never been as strong as I have been right now in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you you feel that way with that analogy then. Uh, somebody who does not look like that, though, is Jonas Valanciunas. I know... You've probably been watching Olympics too. Tonight, he played and he just man, he he just looks tired and almost out of shape. Dare I say it? Like he kind of looks just out of it. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's weird to see, man, because usually whenever a player goes to the Olympics, typically come back to the Olympics better than they were before. But that's usually because they were playing well in the Olympics. Uh, he's not playing well at all, dude. Turnovers are crazy. Well, he's somebody who plays with a lot of energy, too, right? Like, we saw it during the postseason, a lot of energy, a lot of emotion. He always just seems to bring it for the time he's in there. And I'm not saying he's not playing with emotion and some energy for his country, but he just looks like a different player. He, he doesn't look good, to be honest. Like, I think he's just happy to be there, but he's not, you know, thrilled to be playing in the Olympics. It's just more of, it's more of being a part of the Olympics that's appealing as opposed to, like, playing in it. Yeah, I mean, if you're, okay, he was injured for a couple of weeks during the playoffs, so shouldn't he still have energy to play? Well, I guess this is his rehab? <laughs> is that fair? Uh... Like, like a little <laughs> a little rehab stint? This is his, like, pre-rehab, you know? Hopefully, I mean... Uh, Playing in AAA? <laughs> for European teams, you know, the Olympics is actually pretty significant. You know, it is. actually win a medal for their country. Like, for the NBA, for, like, NBA players from the U.S., it's kind of like a... I wouldn't say secondary thing, but it's just like outside of whatever they usually care about. So, you know, JV, I don't know. I just, he just feels like he's – something's up. It's something's up and it's, it's not good. It's a different good. style of basketball too. I know people like to harp on that a lot. Like you look at a guy like Pau Gasol. I know off the air I said to you I feel like he's arguably one of the greatest international players ever because every time I watch this guy play FIBA rules, it's just wow. He just lights out. 
and not to diminish what he does in the NBA, but watching him play in FIBA rules, he's just he's even more efficient than I ever thought he could be. And it's just like, man, he's getting older, and he just seems to never age. It's weird. Yeah, dude, that's the passing. Just like his game is pretty graceful. He's got passing, shooting, you know, post-touch. So yeah, he's elegant. It helps in the FIBA game. It helps in the FIBA game. Just because, like, not everybody's as skilled as in the NBA. So being able to have, like, multiple uh, ways to utilize a player, it helps you be better than everybody else, basically, just because you have more tools that some people only, only some people only have one or two. You have four or five. Well, he's got, like, a whole assortment of things, like you were saying, which I think is perfect for the way Spain plays. They kind of like to move the ball around and get everybody involved. I know we said we were going to talk about the Olympics, like, at the end. But you know what? Let's just keep rolling with it because I feel like it's just too fitting. It's the hot topic right now for everybody that's actually watching basketball, aside from the schedule being released, which is exciting. But at the same time, we're just like prognosticating games that we can't really, you know, put too much emphasis on yet. Um, <laughs> seriously, though, I mean, like we can go through every single game or month by month and be like, yeah, you know what? The Raptors are going to go nine and three this month, but we can't account for like injuries or a whole bunch of other things. So it's just. It's just dead air summer talk, in my opinion. I feel like the Olympics is a little bit more, a little bit more appealing at the moment, especially because I feel like we got robbed of Andre Nocioni. I know a lot of people may not remember who he was, but he played for the Chicago Bulls back in the day, back in the mid two thousands there. And if you look at the way this guy plays now, he's obviously a bit older in his mid thirty, in his mid to late thirties. Um, I think he could be one of the best stretch fours that we would have ever seen in this generation. I mean, he's he rebounds well, he plays aggressive, he shoots a three, and we never got to see that as like frequently back then. I don't know how much you've been watching him play, but he's somebody who's really impressed me so far for an old guy. Yeah, I've been watching a little bit of him, like the physicality of his game. You know, like he has like a really nice touch, just like feel for the game in general. So it's great, you know, it would be great to see that in today's NBA where like the style of play has gotten more European where it's a lot more free-flowing, passing, a lot of touch with the ball, shooting of the ball. Versus, like, you know, early 2000s and, you know, earlier where we're trying to muscle the ball into the net. It's a shame. Yeah, because he's somebody I liked watching play back then. But, like, watching this Olympics, I just – it might be nostalgia speaking right now. I mean, he is shooting 44% from three, but so is Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. So what about Nando oh. DiColo, actually? Raptors have the rights to him. He's looked great with France. Yeah, man. I, oh, man, I can't wait until they actually, you know, <laughs> have him on the – like, I can't wait – to actually see him play again uh, in the NBA. Hmm. Is he coming over to the NBA again? I Not this remember. year. He's actually re-upped with uh, Moscow over there. So Why? <laughs> Playing the, play the world's greatest league, man. You'd think, but the money's got to be pretty good for him. Yeah, dude. I mean, you get the money and plus you get to live like closer to your actual home, you know? That's actually, you know, that's a that's a factor in anybody's life getting to live closer to home. Yeah, I'd imagine that's a big thing. While working, so. So when you're looking ahead here, before we get to Team USA, USA is going to play Argentina next, and Argentina's trio of the old guys, which is Nocioni, Ginobili, and Luis Scola, you know, our dear beloved Luis Scola, who ended up becoming a statue, which is no fault of his, but it's old legs. Uh, they're killing it, the old guys, for Argentina. They look really good, and I think Argentina's going to give the U.S. A pretty decent game coming up. The U.S. look like this is probably the worst iteration of a USA national basketball team that there's ever been. Probably since like the bronze team. 
This is like it's just pretty bad, man. Like the pieces don't seem to fit. No, and they don't play defense. I don't know if that's by choice or if that's by roster construction or what it is, but they don't do it. Dude, when they have DeMarcus Cousins and like Kyrie Irving on the court at the same time, it's just like basically having Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving on the court, which it shouldn't be because Marcus Cousins is actually like a good defender. Then you got Paul George mixed in there with a little Carmelo Anthony sprinkled in, and then, you know, insert here next, possibly Jimmy Butler. It's it's a weird, weird combination they're running. Yeah, and uh, they're running to this problem where um, they're getting Euro fouled, which is basically on the fast break. Like, somebody will just, like, tug somebody's arm to stop the fast break. Yep. So, like, it's hurting their transition opportunities. So if they do get steals on a hunt defense, like, they just have no way to score off of it because they just stop play. Well, Kevin Durant, when he's dribbling with the ball, too, he doesn't look comfortable right now, which is kind of bizarre because he's a guy that can handle the ball well, but he's kind of just relegated himself to a spot-up shooter. I mean, well, which is still lethal, but it's just not the Kevin Durant we're used to seeing. It's hard to, man, it's hard to play next to Kyrie Irving. That's what it's like, I've really learned this year. It's just like Kyrie is such a, he's not a black hole, but he's just like a... He's an acquired taste, man. Like, if he's that strong drink that only some people like, and, you know, those that do, it works for them, but the majority don't. And I feel like LeBron just had to, like, adopt that this year, and he's like, whatever, I'll like it. And he found a way to make it work. With him on your team, you need to have, like, he's a point guard, but he's, you know, he's, the positions were, like, designed for people to understand, but point guard doesn't necessarily always have to be the primary passer. So he's the primary ball handler in the on the team, but the, there's no, like, true passer on the U.S. team that the previous U.S. teams had. Like, the previous U.S. teams had, like, Wayne Wade, Bron James, CP3, like, those are pure passers, right? Yeah, like team has nothing compared to that. I'd say arguably their best facilitator of an offense on this roster is a guy who doesn't play a lot. That's Draymond Green. He's playing like 11 minutes a night right now, um, and he just doesn't look like he fits in there. But I feel like he is arguably their best facilitator. He is, and there's just like the way his play style is like he's receiving the pass, and then he makes like he is he basically acts as the hockey assist for somebody else. Yeah, or right. he's almost like the second assist, like if that's what you mean right. by the hockey assist. Yeah, right, but since there's nobody making that initial pass to get him the ball so he can make, like, the second pass, right, all the players that are on the team right now are like, I do my thing and you're open, I pass it to you, you finish it. When he's on the Warriors, is like, I do my thing, I give it to you, you just add a little bit, like you add the sprinkles onto the ice cream, and then I pass it to the next person and we finish it. But since... You know, the U.S. team isn't capable of doing that right now. It doesn't really have a use. Well, it's funny because I know that Kyrie and even, you know, our beloved Kyle Lowry, those lovers, the fans out there are going to be like, listen, Kyrie's got six assists these Olympics. That's what he's averaging per game. Lowry's got four assists per game. The team's averaging 26 a night. They're fine. But, I mean, if you actually watch the games, you're going to be like, the ball's not whipping around as much as you'd think for FIBA play. Yeah, like if you, okay, for example, like if you watch the Cavs and the Warriors play, you know, LeBron is, like, still getting his, like, 25, like, 7 and 7, right? But his 7 assists are way different than... Oh, of course. Like seven, assist, 7 assists, like, Draymond Green would be getting, right? Yeah, night and like, day difference. The difference, like, the, the the counting stat is still the same, but the process to get the statistic is completely different. I feel like that's fair, but let me ask you this, then. Do you feel like we're kind of overanalyzing something that is maybe not as important to these guys like the Olympics? Or is this, you know, kind of fair to question this roster and the way no, this it's, is playing? 
absolutely fair because if they don't win gold, then everybody on this roster is getting a really, really hard look, and so is Coach K. So chip it, chip. Like I know it's always gold medal or fail for the U.S. It just has to be right. That's like part of the way it works for them. So this year it's like it's different because like everybody is starting to notice the cracks. Okay. They're just like yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like this is ripe for an upset. Like all you know. We wouldn't be talking about this if, like, uh, LeBron James was, you know, catapulting the team and, like, they're winning by 40. They're winning by, like, six, three. They're barely beating teams. Right, they're barely beating teams, and people are like, yo, this team isn't actually well-built. And, like, people see the holes, and I'm you know, if we see the holes, then opposing teams do. So, it's bad, man. Like, it actually looks bad right now. (laughs) I agree. Like, like, Like I just said, I feel like they're ripe for an upset, and... We might actually see it unless they make some adjustments. What about the Raptors, though? What about Lowry and DeRozan? I mean, they've looked okay. I, the best thing about DeRozan so far in the Olympics, in my opinion, has been Twitter, where I see fans tweeting out every time Team USA plays, why is DeRozan on the team? Replace this guy with J.J. Redick. Replace him with literally insert player name here. It's, it's comical. I love it. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to watch on Twitter. One of his best contributions to the team is his dunking, but it's also the Snapchat game. Yeah, it's true. It's Social media has been awesome. Him and Draymond Green have been just dominating U.S. Snapchat. Just not even U.S. Snapchat, just Snapchat in general. Like, you cannot... If you have Snapchat and you don't have both of those players on your Snapchat, you're not using Snapchat correctly. (laughs) (laughs) You're just not. Well, that might be subjective depending on who you talk to, but, you know, I agree with you. (laughs) You see that, like, they're at every game and they're cheering on, like, their fellow Americans. It's pretty fun to watch, man. Yeah, they're definitely living life out there in Rio right now. I mean, even a guy like Harrison Barnes, he's played two games only, but like, <laughs> anybody who's been following him on social media, this guy's been soaking in the Olympics, right? He got a free vacation to Rio in the Olympics, okay? okay. He's winning. I know I know it's funny, but like, just think of it this way. like Harrison Barnes is on the national team at the Olympics last year, or sorry, not even last year, like last Olympics. You would, you would, you would be considered like insane for somebody to have like this same capabilities of uh, Harrison Barnes and be on the national team with like Chris Paul and LeBron James. People, Kevin Durant. people would like literally throw out their like Make a Wish Foundation jokes and be like, "What did he like Make a Wish to be on the Olympic team or something?" Like it would just it would just be bad, right? So that's just like an indication of like the team isn't as good as everybody thinks it is. That's fair, and I feel yeah. like I feel like we're just gonna keep repeating the same point with that. It's they're just not that they're not. U.S. great, if that makes sense. Because, like, with Team USA, when you have that on your chest, there's an expectation in the basketball world mm-hmm. for that. I mean, they're not asking you to be dream team good or, you know, redeem team good, but you got to be great. And this team yeah, you gotta win. is good. Yeah. Hey, man, Kyle Lowry, no, not everybody is exempt from, uh, <laughs> from blame. Kyle Lowry hasn't really been contributing much to the team at all. Behave, behave. Man. <laughs> Jeez, picking on Kalo. I'm here, I'm here to just like dis- disseminate pretty much all the blame. Kyle Lowry, where where do you do it? Like, what what is his contribution on the team? Seriously, uh, to shoot thirty percent from the field, um, facilitate, distribute yeah. the ball. Hey, he's averaging four assists tonight. I mean, stop picking on Kyle here. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can look. There's some other players that aren't doing too well either. Clay Thompson isn't doing too shit hot. He's what, thirty percent from the field too, and he's not really contributing much else. Yeah, none of them are playing well, man. No. Like, the only I think the only player that is actually like 
okay, Kyrie. That's about it. Uh, you know, Durant's like kind of played all right considering he's basically made himself a spot up shooter. And believe it or not, I think Carmelo Anthony's played pretty well. And DeAndre has played well actually. Yeah, but I feel like Melo's played well based off volume. Mm-hmm. Like he he gets those spurts where he takes a lot of possessions in a row, and it's just like it works. It's weird. I think his ISO game favors when the U.S. gets those dead sets, and he can just take yeah. over a set. I think that helps him out. Yeah, and, you know, he does benefit from, like, that driving kick stuff where he can just catch the ball and release Yeah, because of that that sweet, sweet jump shot, man. Beautiful to watch. Hey, he's their all-time leading scorer now, right, which is crazy to think about. It's like it was between him and, like, I think it was LeBron, and it was, like, LeBron scored 220 points. Yeah, and that was that was the leader for the team. It's not it's not that much. I know, I know. It's probably like your most like meaningless stat of the day, but take it to the bank. Um, before we get like way too lost talking about Team USA here, let's get the Raptors. Let's talk about the schedule being released. A lot of interesting stuff with it. I know fans are gonna bitch about it right away. No Christmas Day game again. The Raptors are exempt from that for whatever reason, which I I kind of understand because to replace them with the Knicks in a sense where. The Celtics and the Raptors was viewed as the game that we could finally see. You know, the Raptors, Celtics, a little bit of a rivalry there with the trash talk this offseason. Obviously, the two best teams in the Atlanta division, that could be a Christmas Day game. But instead, we're getting the Knicks and the Celtics. <laughs> Dude, and it's for Christmas Day, it's a ratings thing. You know, everybody that's watching NBA on Christmas Day isn't like us. They're like your mom, you know, they're like your dad or your uncle. They're just people that are just watching it, and they recognize the team. So I guess, you know, having the popular teams, even though that they're not very good, being there makes sense financially. Basketball-wise, they're one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. I agree. Like, I feel like the Raptors, if you put them at home even, I think that game would do tremendously well. Tremendously well. Yeah. Like, we saw during the yeah, lot- season, like, they, they drew numbers. Yeah, a lot of you know, a lot of Canada will be watching, but you know, the size of Canada can compare to the size of the US. Of course. I mean that's natural, but at the same time I just feel like this team has kind of earned that right now. They've been successful for a little while. They're good. I know they're not like riddled with history like the Celtics and the Knicks are, but they're better than both teams at the moment. That's true, man. I mean the only Christmas Day game that they got was with like Vince Carter. Vince Carter was on the team, I think it was two thousand and one. So that's just like showing you like the threshold that the Raptors need to break just to have a Christmas Day game. So they need a superstar, is what you're saying. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. Well, VC was a totally different time, man. When I go back and think about that, it was just – he was arguably the biggest superstar in the NBA at one point. Mm-hmm. So the 360 windmill dunks. Yeah. Crazy. Everybody wanted to be Vince. It's hard not to be, man. Or it's hard not to want to be like him. Okay, there's some other things with the schedule here, though. Um, I'm just going to rattle off a bunch of things real quick. The Raptors this year have, they don't play the dreaded four games of five nights. They got lucky they avoided that. Uh, for those interested, their longest homestand is from November 28th to December 8th. That's a six-game span right there. Their longest road trip is from December 23rd to January 3rd. That's also six games. And for those out there that want to argue about strength of schedule, if you're going to go off ESPN.com's Bradford Doolittle's rankings, he's got the Raptors with the third easiest schedule in the NBA. His rankings are based off the Shoney projection, which is a system that uses player projections and team projections. 
It accounts for things like uh, regression analysis, um, team defensive stats. It's just it's a whole bunch of little variables that are added in to create this cool algorithm. I know if you're not a fan of advanced stats, you're going to tell me to fly a kite right now. But for those <laughs> it doesn't you, matter. Yeah, man. It doesn't matter. yeah, you got to play the games. But for those of you that are, um, yeah, the Raptors had the third easiest schedule according to that. And believe it or not, the Boston Celtics had the easiest schedule. I think a lot of that's just because of how piss poor the Atlantic Division is. So, you know, that's something the Raptors can't control, but at the same time, it's something you got to take into account. Hey, man, the East is about to turn the corner, man. Believe me. Yeah, just spare me <laughs> that crap. If I hear one more person come up to me this offseason and tell me, the Knicks are for real. <laughs> that's my favorite offseason storyline. But, you know, the two super teams between the Warriors and the Knicks that yeah. everybody's talking about. Everybody, everybody I know that, like, casually watches basketball is like, you're sleeping on the Knicks, bro. Derrick Rose? I'm telling you, he's back. His knees are back. Yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you. Is his defense back? Uh, <laughs> is Joe Kidd's defense back? Like I just, I don't, I don't understand. I'm missing something. Those, those two players are contributing to them getting the Christmas game. Of course. There's actually no <laughs> denying that part. Believe it or not. Yeah. So you just need, you need some sort of like star or storyline coming into that, to the season for them to give you that Christmas Day game, and the Raptors just don't have. They don't have, like, a special identity going forward, then it's hurting them a little bit, man. They're a good team that's boring to watch at times. Let's just call it what it is. Yeah, I mean, the games get close, so it gets exciting to watch, but then, like, it's grindingly, you know, they're done. They'll be up by two points. There's, like, two minutes left, and, like, we'll just deflate the ball, dribbling it, yep. they shoot it. <laughs> well, they don't really play an exciting brand of basketball. Like, I can think of countless times last year. The most exciting games were usually ones where... Lowry took over, and those are the most exciting games. Mm. Like, is that somebody you could really sell on a Christmas day? No, not really, man. Maybe not to, like, the American market. To the Canadian market, hell yeah, you could sell us DeRozan even, and we'll eat that up. I mean, even in the Canadian market, they prefer a team that's, like, hardworking versus, like, super talented. Yeah, that's also true. Um, you wrote an interesting piece about the five must-watch games that the Raptors should see this year, or well, Raptors right. fans should circle out. Any other games that like stand out to you, or is you know, do you want to get into that a bit? There is a series of two games between the Cavs and the Warriors, which are like basically back to back. Like you go from away, you know, Tuesday against the Cavs, November fifteenth, and then to home, November sixteenth, on the Warriors. That's going to be like, I mean, if there's ever been like a trial by fire in the NBA, I'm pretty sure this is it. Well, you actually <laughs> forgot a game mixed in there because. November 14th is my birthday, so that would mean it's a trio of good games because you got the 14th, which is my B-Day. So, you know, that'll be a, a party game in itself. And then the Cavs and then the Warriors. So, I mean, it's a three-peat yeah, three for you. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's going to be insane to really see, like, how good the Raptors really are. I mean, like, before that, before even that, uh, that Cavs game, they're playing the Knicks, which is another super team. So Yeah, who, who forgot about that? It's going to be a gauntlet. Jeez. It's going to be a gauntlet. And if you want to go and you want to put all those games into one week span, they get Oklahoma City at Oklahoma City. So they'll get the full-blown Russell Westbrook experience. Yeah, see, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, pretty good games. You know, they get to play the Portland Trail Blazers a few times, which would be interesting to watch. You know, like those uh, guard versus guard uh, matchups. I love seeing CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard. Likewise. I highlighted a bunch of games here as well. Like I, I even got uh, Minnesota highlighted on December 8th, so Raptors fans can watch Andrew Wiggins come home and play. I know that's always Carl a big Anthony draw. Towns. Yeah, of course. I was going to say Cat, too. 
Um, I think December 12th is an interesting game. I know you're not a fan of Milwaukee, but the whole Thon Maker experience that happened this offseason with the whole age gate and, you know, trying to figure out every little thing about his life, he returns to Toronto on December 12th. That might be a fun game. It'll be his first game back here, and he played high school ball here, well, his last two seasons, so. Yeah, it's just, he's an interesting character, just all time. <laughs> The entire story of Thon Maker is just like, so it's half. He's like basically half myth at this point because nobody really knows how old he is. Well, oh man, there was an Instagram video that came out a few days ago. I forget the player, but he went up to him and he asked him how old he was, and he just started laughing. He's like, "Are you older than what they say?" And he just like chuckled. <laughs> yeah, I think he knows. <clears throat> I mean, you have to be self-aware at this point, so I have a feeling like just not saying anything is the best decision for him. You know, because if he's younger and he says, "I'm younger, man," and then people will dig deeper and they know like. It, you know, it'll just like disturb his life, and if he's older and he says he's younger, then people find out. And if he just doesn't say anything; he just lets it die out. I think that's the best thing for him. It's a no-win scenario. I don't, I don't know what he can say that will help anything. You know, because everybody's just going to be skeptical about it. Yeah, as soon as like something like that is brought up with a player, especially when they're from Africa, like it happens with European players too, but it's more prevalent with African players. There's no way to escape it because if you, as soon as you start to decline or if you start to play worse, like age 27, people will be like, I got it. I see. I told you. I told you. And for what it's right. worth, it was actually a Celtics rookie, Jalen Brown, that asked Thon Maker. Mm-hmm. So. He's trying to come at it. Oh, my goodness. Dude. <laughs> the, the ire that uh, the Boston players have been <laughs> arising for me, like, the Boston in general this the Boston team has become like this Eastern Conference um secret like they're just like a secret villain right now. Yeah. A little bit of a secret villain. <laughs> Which I'm I'm completely cool with because that would mean the Raptors and them will be rivals and I would love to see that. Oh yeah. That'd be great. I love to I would love to see Oh, here's another game on the on the schedule with that Raptors game between the Celtics and the Raptors. I think it's December December ninth yep. on a Friday. Yeah, December ninth at Boston, and then January tenth they welcome Boston here, which I'm sure will be a very very good game. It's gonna be, especially in the away games. You know the Boston Boston crowd is like really uh, rambunctious, man. They're super loud. Yeah, the, I can't wait. I can't wait for somebody to just get like a chicken wing or somebody gets like a little shove. And I'm sure Demari Carroll will have a few choice words for Jay Crowder. One person bumps somebody's chest, or somebody takes exception. It's gonna, woo, <laughs> dude. I'm gonna have to set that for the PBR. Oh, 100 percent that one. <laughs> I'll be watching that game a few times, even with league pass. Uh, two other games I think Raptors fans should circle on their schedule or on their calendars per se is uh, January 24th. The San Antonio Spurs come to town. You know, Tim Duncan kind of abruptly retired this year. Obviously, there was rumblings, but it came out of nowhere. Ginobili, Tony Parker, these guys could be next. So. If you've appreciated the Spurs' dominance, like I know we both have, you never know when these guys are going to be gone. So that's a game that I think people might want to go see just in case those players do retire after the season. And then March 16th, Oklahoma City. Who doesn't want to see Russell Westbrook this year? Absolutely. Who doesn't? That's a genuine question. Who doesn't? Because he's basically, it looks like he's going to put up like an Oscar Robertson type of line this season. Yeah, I think he could easily put up like a twenty-eight, nine and eight, which is I would freak. I would 
can't. I, that's probably going to be another team I'm going to be watching all season. I mean, I'm going to be watching the Raptors and Warriors all season. I might just tune into Watch the Thunder just to see if like Russell Westbrook actually just turns into like a lightning bolt every time he decides to dunk it at the rim. Which I think he's going to be. <laughs> because he's going to be going 150% just to show, like, not just, you know, not just Kevin Durant what he's missing out. Just, like, the rest of the league showing everybody, like, this is what I can actually do. And he's one of those players that thinks he's the best player to ever grace the floor. Yep. You know? So he's just going to, like, yeah, watch me put up 40 tonight, 40, 10, and 10, 35, 16, and 5. That's pretty much what he's going to be looking like this season. At least I think he's going to be looking like that this season. I think two other teams that people are going to want to watch, obviously the Knicks because the storylines are going to be great. Whether they fail or whether they succeed, you're going to have good, like, the drama, the storylines, the narratives are going to be awesome. And a team from a basketball perspective, I think is going to be a lot of fun to watch because they're very underrated, in my opinion, is Utah. I think Utah's got a lot of good things going on there, and I feel like people are going to watch them and be surprised. Like the Jazz this season? Yeah, I love what they got going on. I mean, you got Gobert, who's going to be healthy for a change. Last season was all banged up. Hayward in a contract year. Dante Exum will be healthy and playing. They don't, now they have a point guard. They got George Hill, which people may not like his game all around offensively, but he's a solid point guard that plays defense and distributes the ball, which I think will fit in well there. I mean, it, Shelvin Mack was good at the end of the year for them, but he wasn't a starter. Now he can come off the right. bench and kind of be in that second unit. And then you got one of the most underrated power forwards in the league in Derek Favors, who's just super efficient. Like they, they yeah, got you, a lot of things to like there. You also have Gordon Hayward and his beautiful hair. Well, and his beautiful contract yeah. here too, you know? <laughs> oh, it is this contract here for him. That's gonna yeah. be amazing. Yeah, so you know he's gonna want to play for a max deal. He'll get it regardless, but a little more incentive to, you know. Remember when he got signed to his contract and it was like if Gordon Hayward's getting like fifteen million, you know, anybody could be getting and now yeah. like <laughs> now people are getting like thirty million, thirty million dollars a season. Well, Gordon Hayward's gonna be one of those guys, man. He's already being talked about as one of the, like top five free agents for next year. Yeah, I mean, if Mozgov can get what he got, you know, man, if Mozgov can get that, I can get half of that. Mozgov didn't even play. Yeah, like if I'm, a, I can sit on the bench and then you can give me like a two million, give me the minimum. I'll take, Good. I'll take half of the league min to fill their Gatorade cups. How about that? <laughs> They can afford it, dude. Yeah. Billionaires, billionaires own the team. This is true. This is true. <laughs> is there anything else in the schedule here you want to talk about? I feel like we've kind of highlighted the games to watch, things to keep an eye on. Here we go. I got I got the best game. Just as, you know, not, nothing feels better than looking at, like, your conquered foe. December 20th, Tuesday, at Air Canada Center, Raptors versus the Brooklyn Nets. We get to watch the corpse of the Brooklyn Nets, the enemy team that once uh, defied and beat the Raptors. We get to watch them just like be like one of the saddest teams in the league. No draft picks, Brook Lopez, and that's it. Do they win more than 15 games? That's a great question. I know. They even lost. I like, they even lost Joe Johnson, bro. They they have nothing. They have nothing. Like, it's just Brooke Lopez. Sean Marks is literally building that thing from the ground up. <laughs> literally. Yeah, because they have no draft picks, so they're just trying to get, like, anybody that looks like they can play. Let's see if you can get some playing time. They might even hold open tryouts. It's Brooke Lopez and basically uh, Jeremy Lin on that team. Yeah. That's it. And Jeremy Lin doesn't exactly play defense. 
if, if Jeremy Lin's like your go-to guy, you have bigger problems in my opinion. Yeah, so it's going to be fun to watch that just because we're better than them and we once had a rivalry. But uh, rivalries don't really exist when one team dominates the other team. Gonna, it's gonna feel. It's just gonna feel. You know, it's just gonna feel good. It's like you guys were once on our level. We've <laughs> once, <laughs> once, one time, and then you guys also took Vince Carter from us. We're taking pleasure and oh, you're going dominating. way back now. Jeez. Yeah, man. I just like rubbing. I just like crushing my my rivals into dirt. Yeah, absolute dust. I'm all about that. <laughs> you don't see anything else. Not really. Like, I mean, a lot of the same games, you got back-to-backs, you got other interesting teams coming to town, but after the big guns, like Golden State, Cleveland, you know, even like, I guess, I'll put San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and I only say Minnesota because of Wiggins, um, I feel like fans are going to be like, yeah, the rest of the games are fun. Like, unless you're like a hardcore basketball fan, you're not going to get like too, too into it. You're just going to be happy to go to Raptors games, and really, if the team's winning, you'll love it, and if they're losing, you're going to complain about it. Because our city's full of cynical fans. <laughs> oh man, when they start, if they start losing, they'll be like, "Man, I can't believe we signed Demar Derozan to this contract." And then we re-upped Casey for three years. Whose idea was that? Fire this guy. That'll be, it'll be the same stuff. <laughs> Why did we extend Kyle Lowry? Yeah, thank God he's a free agent. I can already picture post-game calls. Oh, dude, it's not as bad as like Blue Jays post-game calls. Those are the funniest. They can blow a team out. They need to bunt to win. I don't understand why they're just trying to jack the ball in the park all the time. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> I don't know how Mike Wilner does it. I, seriously, I don't. Like, God bless that man because he's got one of the most uh, loving and hating – Like, dude, it's a love-hate relationship. So I feel for him. <laughs> oh. Oh. But uh, this year I think they, the Raptors or the Raptors fan base might actually be feeling uh, a little bit of fatigue with this team. They don't they don't make the finals, basically. Or if they don't at least make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. And uh looks like they might be taking a step back this year, man. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's debatable. The thing the thing with that is, like, the first time in a long time since Vince Carter missed that fadeaway against uh, the Sixers, there's expectations attached to this team this year. Right. There hasn't and, been that in ages. And I know you're on the whole step-back kick. We're going to get into that in a second here because I know you think the Raptors need to take a step back to take a step forward later. But this is the first time they've had expectations in a long time. So it's like, what is the expectation right now? I want to hear from you. In my opinion, it's get to the second round. But we just made the Eastern Conference Finals. I know. No, I get that part. But, dude, they they can't, you know, making the Eastern Conference Finals was a lot of things went right. I think they should have made it because the East was so bad. But at the same time, like, a lot of things still went right. I'm not going to sit here and be like, it's Eastern Conference Finals or bust. Get to the second round, and let's see what happens. I think that would be a good season. Who is better than the Raptors in the East right now? Cleveland's better than them. I think you could make a case that Boston's equal. Maybe not better, but equal. Um, I know people are going to say the Bulls because the Raptors and the Bulls have oh, that Bulls. BS oh, curse and all that crap. You know, Why can't they beat the Bulls, dude? It's like actually like this weird curse that they can there's no good reason for it. And if they can't beat a Bulls team that's based around Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo, and Dwayne Wade. Wade, Wade. <laughs> we need to abandon hope if we can't beat them. Yeah. And I know people are going to be like, man, the Pacers got better. Paul uh, George effect. Really. Like, obviously, Paul George is a guy that you can never count out. But aside from that, they're kind of the same team. Like, Monte Ellis is a year older. 
still can't shoot the three. Yeah, Thad Young I can't mean, shoot at all. I know people are enamored with Thad Young, but he's just a guy that can rebound. He's an old-school player. He's like a 90s player. He's like what DeRozan is. So he's good, but he's not somebody who's going to push the needle, in my opinion. I wouldn't fear him. They didn't get better. The Hawks got worse. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Coach Bud in Atlanta, he's got a, got that Spurs blood in him, and he just finds a way to make things work. If Dwight Howard Definitely. plays like old Dwight Howard, are they not better? Can you play as old Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard's in his mid, like his early thirties right now. He's also got a lot to prove this year. I'm not, I'm not think, I'm like, I'm not saying he will, but I think it's something that we should consider at least. You could consider it, man. I'm, he's a center at age thirty, and he's had back surgery. Yeah. He's not exactly mobile anymore, okay. but at the same time, like, if he puts up, let's say, 14, 10, and 2, like, 2 blocks a night, okay. I, I feel like that could complement well with what Millsap does, you know? Okay, but they remember they also lost Jeff Teague, so they're going to have to figure out how Dennis Schroeder, like, actually plays, like, how he orchestrate, if he can orchestrate offense. Yeah, no, gotta I, figure I'm that totally out. cool with that part. So yeah, man, it's just like... Obviously, it's a stretch. It's an all-around stretch in the East. Right? So shouldn't the Raptors be making it back to the Eastern Conference Finals? I feel like they should, but I personally feel that making it to the second round would make this a successful season coming up. Okay, I get what so, you're saying, though. I get your argument of saying that like they should make the Eastern Conference Finals just based on what the landscape of the Eastern Conference is. Right, and then like next season... But, uh, <laughs> Are we making the Eastern Conference Finals again next season? Depends, right? It depends if Lowry's still here, Patterson. There's a lot of moving parts for this team. And I, I hate saying this because every damn fan of every team says this. We're one player away. And I, I, I know. I, I, I just said that. But <laughs> it's true, is it not? Like, <laughs> Ah, man, I've fallen into sure. this trap. Yeah, you fell into it, man, because everybody thinks we're one player away. What is that? Who? Okay. Who is that player? There's a variety of guys I could pick out of a name like that you could add, but they're not realistic players are coming. Look, right. you know my true feelings on this about how to build a winner in the NBA, and Mark Cuban was spot on with this. Unless you draft these guys, and that requires you to tank or just be really lucky at the right time like the Spurs were with Tim Duncan back then, you're kind of SOL because guys like the LeBron Jameses, the Kevin Durants, I know they did both leave in free agency at one point. But those are anomalies. These players barely ever leave to go play somewhere else. So unless you draft them, you're kind of screwed. All right, so say hello to the NBA treadmill, bro. Welcome to the second round of the playoffs every year. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that. I I don't feel like that's a bad thing for the Raptors, though. You don't? You just think the Raptors are... Like, what do you... When you're the Raptors, man... Or if you're an NBA franchise, like, what's your ultimate goal here? Like, what are you are you striving for relevancy, or are you trying to win the championship, or like, what is it? I think that really depends on ownership, and we've seen time and time again in Toronto sports where ownership has an agenda to make the bottom line first. They want to make money, and then championships will come after that. Now, obviously, MLSE, who owns the Raptors, has shifted that a bit with the Leafs, where they've started to invest a bit more and try and put a winning product on the ice that can actually contend for a title. They're still years away from that, but Maybe they'll do the same with the Raptors. I mean, they raised ticket prices again this year, so. Right, so they have to be good, right? Yeah. Just, just to justify it, because the Leafs have, like, a built-in fan base. You know, they're the Leafs. The hockey but is second round not good? Base. It's good. You know, it's good, but, like, okay. 
Because, like, eventually, I mean, I would feel eventually, you know, we get knocked out in the second round for, like, the third year in the row. Or, let's say we make it to the second round and we get knocked out after making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but, like, keep losing to Cleveland. Like, okay, you know, like, we're Clippers East. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think we are the we Cl- I think we are the Clippers of the East. I'll make no bones about that. I think they are the Clippers of the East, where right. they're good but they're not great. Right, but then like the luster is gonna wear off, dude. Like, what is, is that? Is that okay? Is that what the management is striving for? Are we just trying try to be good for a short, like for a long period of time, or is there ever like a championship in the Raptors' future? Like, does the fan, is the fan, okay with just uh, being good? I think so. I think they'll be okay with that because you look at other franchises in sports, like, obviously they're more historical, but other franchises have gone years without winning a title and they've had loyal fan bases, like the Cubs, who are still in a drought. Uh, the Red Sox for years were like that. I mean, the Lakers, when they weren't winning anything, fans were still flocking to them. Those are obviously historical franchises, but I feel like the Raptors being the only team in Canada, that will always help them maintain a strong fan base. Yeah, but they don't even have, like, that story. You know, there's no, the backstory is Vince Carter. No, I know right. that. Well, they're only like 21 years old, right, as a franchise, so they still got to develop a lot of that stuff. Okay. So this is like the era of the good Raptors before great Raptors. Like, will there ever, like, is there a Raptors? Hold on, the, hold on. I can't even think of the timeline on which they become the great Raptors. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's going to be a while, but when you look at the whole entire NBA, there's only really two really good teams right now. It's just the Cavs and the Warriors. Everybody else is just playing in this league to play in it. If you're going to get, like, really technical about what success is. So can the Raptors beat the Warriors? Not a chance, in my opinion. I don't know if anybody can. Can they beat the Cavs? If LeBron's hurt, maybe, yeah. But if he's, like, healthy, I don't, I don't see how. So success for them this season, that's why I think it's the second round. Because realistically, they can't beat either of those teams. Okay, we chill in the second round. Okay, make it to the second round. Great. Next year, we're drafting into, like, the 20s. You know, LeBron is a year older. Warriors, who knows, because Kevin Durant's actually on a, only on a 1 plus 1, so you might get pissed off. Like, hopefully, we have a Kobe Bryant and Shaq scenario in a, <laughs> in the dreamland that is uh, Warriors. That'd be ideal. Right? But if there isn't, then the Warriors are still like a monolith for, you know, the next two or three, maybe even four years. Is What's the point of being in the playoffs? Just like doing nothing in the playoffs. This would be actually, this is like ideal time to tank. Okay. Ideal. If you're the 20 other teams in the league, though, you can ask yourself the same question. What's the point of playing almost, right? Like tank. In my opinion, there's three scenarios here with the Raptors. They can either be good, like they are right now, and compete and be like second round, you know, Slip to the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe get lucky one year and make it to the finals if the Cavs have like injuries and whatnot and LeBron goes down. That's one scenario. The other scenario would be tank, like what you're saying. So they'd essentially be bad for, what, probably two to five years. That's assuming they hit the draft picks. And then you're assuming that those players that they draft are actually going to work out. There's never a guarantee with that, right? Like we've seen the Sixers whiff in the lottery. So there's never a guarantee you're going to get the number one pick. And then the third scenario, in my opinion, would be they get really lucky and a guy like Kevin Durant, like you just said, opts out and magically signs with the Raptors. Okay. Two of those so, three scenarios are very unlikely and very risky. Right? Like, when you were talking about, like, the other teams, like the 28 other teams, because, like, the 
same thing and just tank. The difference between the other teams, like the Nuggets, or like uh, the Thunder, or even the Knicks, right? Obviously the 76ers and the Lakers, like, they got upside, right? Wait, what? They had, like, at this point, like, they suck, right? They're, they're terrible right now, but they have upside. I think you're being generous with some of those teams, but okay, I see what you're saying a bit. You're doing, the Lakers have upside. 76ers have upside, right? The Knicks have poor, poor Zingas, right? Yeah, no, it depends who you talk to, too, because fan bases always have a bias towards their prospects where they feel that their prospects are the best of all time, when really, like, they're probably good, but there's no guarantee they're superstars. If you don't want to include the Nuggets, I like Jokic. I love right. Jokic. I think he's a great player. And I, you know my feelings on Jamal Murray. Ever since watching him play in Kitchener, like from high school on, he's a stud. And I think he'll thrive in the NBA. Right. So they're in the – so if they're – like say right now they're tanking. Like they have upside to their tanking. Like they have prospects. Right now the Raptors, like there's no prospective way of getting better than they are right now. Right. And they're just like a second-round team. Well, that's also why tanking doesn't make sense because they literally trade. They have to trade everything. Like literally, strip this thing down. Not really. Who do you? They would only keep the best two players on the team, right? Are like the players that are not going to get better on the team. Basically, like Lamar DeRozan, I guess he can like the Olympic uh, leap could happen to him. He becomes this three-point shooting dynamo that crashes to the rim. Right, but it, that seems unlikely, especially when we're seeing how he plays right now. And Kyle Lowry is on the wrong side of thirty. And there's another player missing. Damari Carroll is also on the wrong side of thirty. Nope, not him. There's somebody else you're missing, in my opinion. Who else is there? Because Jonas is like twenty-three. Yeah, that's who you're missing. I feel like He's, Jonas Valanciunas is somebody that could take that next step forward to help the Raptors, you know, become that perennial Eastern Conference Finals team you're talking about right now. We saw how much havoc he wreaked last year in the playoffs, right? And I'm not trying to fall okay. in love with that performance, but at the same time, that can make a big difference come playoff time. Okay, man. Like his abilities, his abilities in the post have not been explored at all, and like that's what his uh, leap would be. And from what I've seen in the Olympics and in in history, it's not. It's like it's it's like he has the potential to do it, but he has not been um, realizing the potential. Yeah, there's no argument against that, but I feel like that potential is still there, which makes him somebody with upside to what you were saying yeah, earlier. But then if we're waiting, like, let's say a year or two for Jonas to become good, or like better, like a great player or something like that, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are going to be in decline. Well, I don't think Lowry's a part of their long-term future anyways. I think he's a part of their immediate future, which would be, what, three to four years? Okay. Three to four years. I mean, he would be. He's thirty-one right now. No. Yeah, I don't think they can sign him for more than what three in an option. Four years max. He's max. thirty right now. And uh, he's, unless he's going to do the Raptors a favor and like take less years and less money, you know, they're going to have him for like three, four years, maybe three or four years. At thirty-four, if you want to be playing twenty million, twenty-five million, he's only making twelve now. I know it's a real question. So like, like the the future of the Raptors franchise is so like it's so muddied and like it's just like I can't think of what they do. You have to figure out which step you want to take. Of course, but I think given their current roster construction, they'd be smart to kind of stay the course and try and add another player. And if they don't add another player, 
so be it. They didn't add another player. They're, they're going to have to rebuild anyways, right? So instead of rebuilding, why don't you just keep trying to add another guy? Okay. We'll pray We'll pray for Russell Westbrook to come out. That's not going to happen. Of, uh, but like your, your <laughs> argument is kind of faulty in a sense where it's like 28 other teams in the league do not have the parts to beat those two super teams. Unless they right. get like player A. Some teams need player A and player B. Like there's only like I'd say maybe – uh, I'd say four or five teams that are legitimately one player away. Okay. Like Boston, we could say is one player away now with Horford there. Uh, I feel like we could say the same about the Spurs. The Spurs are one player away. Like they're still great, but they're not the same. You know, holy shit, we got to play the Spurs anymore. You know, like mm-hmm. I feel like it's like okay, we got to play the Spurs, we can beat them. Like Golden State <laughs> kind of showed a bit that they could, you know, they could beat them. Athleticism, um, yep. mostly. Yeah, mostly. I feel like Minnesota, you can make an argument, is arguably one player away. Oh, my, yo, the, okay, the Minnesota hype is getting out of control. It is, it is. I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about, in general, the Minnesota and Carl Anthony Towns hype is just, like, crazy right now. Yeah. People think he's, like, the next coming of Hakeem Olajuwon, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously. No, there's no argument. I mean... It's been unreal, the amount of hype that Cats received this offseason. Well-deserved. All well-deserved, but at the same time, let's, uh, let's slow down here. Yeah, man, so I'm, I'm confused on the, on the Raptors at this point. I just don't know what to do as the Raptors. Like, stay the chorus and just, like, stay like a playoff team or, you know, a risk, maybe a risky trade. Maybe you do some sort of blockbuster trade. Uh, not yet. Like I, I feel like with the salary cap going up again, and then it'll finally cap out. They'd be smart to just stay the course and keep trying to add pieces. Because here's the other part of it: the new CBA in 2017. Once that comes into effect, there's going to be certain teams that are obviously going to feel the wrath of that. Right. Probably the Warriors, because like the Warriors. Yeah. Which means that other pieces and other teams are going to start to maneuver and make. It's going to be a shift, right? Like there's going to be a tectonic shift within the NBA, and the Raptors may either benefit from that or they may feel the wrath of it, right? I just feel like they should wait till then to make, like, the grand, you know, long-term decision. Okay. All right, man. That's just, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you for now for another season. I'll stick with you guys. I, I feel like you kind of have to, though, right? When you look at the landscape of the NBA, it's kind of like if you tank, you literally need to blow this thing up into oblivion and just collect assets. But there's no guarantee of that working because people still criticize the Sixers to this day saying – Sam Hickey was an idiot for tanking every year and trying to blow it up yeah, and get the number one pick. I, I know, I know. Now, like, you could argue that it worked, right? Obviously, we don't right. know because we don't know what Ben Simmons is yet, but you could say that his strategy at least worked in theorem. Right? So, I don't know, man. I'm not convinced either way. I mean, I'm not convinced moving forward with the Raptors. Well, what's, and, like, what's there's the no, there's no, there's There's no guarantee that they would get better, you know, next year. There's no guarantee they get better if they tank. I don't know. Maybe I'm just... There isn't. I'm like, just, what if they get a bad draft here? The number one pick is like, God forbid, it's the Greg Oden, Kevin Durant situation where the Raptors take Greg Oden and, you know, we saw what happened after that. Okay. When you plan on... I guess... I guess success thing is like a serious question now because if you're the Raptors, right? What defines success for the Raptors? Is it winning the championship or just remaining relevant? Like I need to know that question. I need to know the answer to that question first. Because if 
you know the answer to that first, then you can make all your decisions accordingly. Okay, I'll give you the ownership answer. Playoff revenue. Because it's so much more. It's extra games. It's national TV audience. It's American national TV audience, too. So playoff revenue is gigantic. And I feel like if they can get that every year, it's a success. Okay. But then, okay, and then at that point, if you're the fan, do you keep watching the team if it only like makes it to the second round of the playoffs? Oh, yeah, I feel like the fans would love that. The, the playoffs, it's it's hope. It may be false hope, but it's still hope. Okay. I feel like people so, just want a chance. Like People buy lottery tickets every Friday because they think they're going to win, even though the odds are stacked against them, but they're still going to do it. If the Raptors get in, you know, they got a chance. They made the second round. There's a chance. If this goes right and, like, this happens, who knows? They can make the finals. How many times do you hear that in every sport? Fandom knows no limits. <laughs> yeah, you're right, man. Like, just getting there, they're going to be like, we got a shot. Just that feeling alone. And then being able to go to Raptors Square and making it into this event of, like, every spring when the Raptors in the playoffs, you know, people party. They have a reason to go out and watch games. Like, I feel like all that matters to people. It's just it's a reason. Basketball, it is so starkly like you could see the difference between a great team and a very good team just by like who the best player the best players are on the floor. Of course, and that's why there's only two great teams right now. You don't really get that in like you can kind of get that in baseball, like you know if you have a great shortstop or like you know if you have an ace pitcher or something like that. Like in basketball, you can have one dude that completely changes the, the game. You don't get that in any other sport. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, the only other sport you could like make like a faulty argument would be football because the quarterback's so important. But you still need the other 21 guys to come out and produce. Exactly. Like if you had like, for example, I know this is like an extraneous example, but like this is what we're, we're talking about. Like really special circumstances where teams win. Like LeBron James or even uh, Dwayne Wade, their teams that they had brought to the finals were like complete garbage. Especially LeBron when he brought like Mo Williams when he was an All Star. Mo Williams was an All Star, and he brought that all the way to the finals to play against the Spurs. Yeah, and then he he left that team and they were just they were utter trash. Like that's just like the difference between like a great player, like what a great player can do to your team, versus just having like a collection of very good or good players. So what are you saying? The Raptors should hold out till they get that kind of player? I I'm an all or nothing type type of person when it comes to basketball. I'm like the cha- like you're trying to win the championship. That's what it is for me. I, I don't know. I, maybe my uh, view of basketball is different from like your average fan, especially your Toronto fan. But like I just don't see the pathway right now to the to the championship for the Raptors, other than stepping back, like other than trading stuff away. But it's hard to do that, man. When you got the fan base, we the North, you know, we the other. Well, yeah, I no, I that. agree with all of that, but at the same time, like, in my opinion, when you say things like that, you're basically, in comparison to the rest of how the NBA is shaped out at the moment, 20 other teams should just forget playing, because the Warriors and the Cavs are just way better than everybody else, so, you know, just forget playing, just tank. If you're an owner, it's hard to do that, dude. Of course. I mean, the, like, if you just looked at it, just like, objectively, it's the correct decision to make. Yeah, but let's be real too. Like these guys definitely get around together in a room and they like start planning for next season. They go, "How the hell do we beat Golden State?" Right. It's like it's definitely demoralizing. Yeah, like I'm looking at it. You know, 
I'm not, I'm a Toronto fan, but I'm not like a rabid fan, you know, we're like, you and I, we're like, we're NBA fans, like, we understand, like, how the NBA works, right, we like Toronto, Toronto's one of our favorite teams, it's not our favorite team, Yeah. but we also understand, like, to really win the championship, like, there's certain components to a team that you need. They don't have it. Yeah, they just don't have those components. Yeah, I, and again, I feel like only two teams do. I know I've been saying it a lot this episode, but yeah. really and truthfully, only two teams do. And I feel like that second team is even missing some pieces to defend against that first team. And obviously I'm talking about the Cavs struggling with the Warriors. I just feel like the Warriors are just head and shoulders above everybody. Yeah. We'll see, man. I'm okay with that. We'll see. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm okay with the, the Warriors if Toronto... like being that much better. That's another thing. Just like <laughs> that's a whole different discussion within itself. But yeah, it is. Because man, there's a lot to talk about there. CBA is probably going to be designed to punish the them. The CBA like, too seriously oh, without them. question. Remember what happened when the Heat made the big three and the CBA came in to basically annihilate them? They couldn't get a center. Well, now they got they a had... big four. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do now? They're going to strike. I think they're going to strike 100. percent This is probably going to be a strike. Yeah. But yeah, so if Toronto's happy with being in the middle of the pack, I'll, you know, just like somebody, somebody just give me the phone call, you know, <laughs> somebody give me the phone call so I can, uh, I can orient my expect- expectations. I feel like they're okay with that. I genuinely feel like that maybe not middle of the pack, like slightly above it, but that's where oh. they are. All right, Toronto, slightly above. That's who we are. Slightly above, baby. Don't, don't you think so, though? Like, based on the way the whole NBA is shaped right now? Like, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. Like, you know, there is some glory in being one of the better teams in the league. It's not all the glory. Some of it, though. Yeah, I'm not saying we're going to be like the Memphis Grizzlies here, but like one step above that, you know? <laughs> and who knows? Uh, Maybe they'll I fluke out and Durant will opt out, like you're saying, with that whole fight. And, uh Yeah. We'll get him on Toronto. There's the big that'd fight be awesome. Tree. Oh yeah, that'd, that'd be, be more than awesome. He'd be a god in this city. <laughs> you would, yo, you would surpass this Carter so quickly. It's not even, it's not even yeah, and that's probably where I woke up and you woke up, and then we ended this podcast because that's the biggest pipe dream that we've had in a while. <laughs> All right, man, you can end it. Yeah, on that note, guys, um, <laughs> it's been fun. I mean, anytime we bring up Kevin Durant and the Raptors talk, you gotta end. It's only fitting, like. <laughs> He's got a one-in-one, though. He's got a one-in-one. We're out of here. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. If you want to reach out to myself, you can reach me on Twitter at Chris O'Pranitz. If you want to reach out to Damar and tell him why his theory of success with Raptors is faulty, you can reach out to him at Damar J. Grant. And please, guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. I know I mentioned earlier, but don't forget to subscribe. guys next week. Take care. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. 
Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real Traveler Reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.